Ezekiel chapter 40. Keep your Bibles up. We're going to go through two or three of these chapters and give you a thought. I hope you get something out of it tonight. I know I have, and it may be a blessing to you. Uh, and I, I believe it's something that we really do need to get a hold of in our Christian walk. Ezekiel chapter 40, verse number 1. In the fifth and twenty year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, the tenth day of the month, and the fourteenth year of the, after the city was smitten, in the same self day the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me thither. In the vision of God brought he me into the land of Israel, and set me upon a very high mountain, which was the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand, and a measurement, measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. And the man said unto the Son of Man, Behold, with thine eyes and with thy ears, with thy eyes have set thine heart upon all that I have shown thee, for the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither to declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And behold, a wall on the outside of the house around about in the man's hands, a measuring reed, of six cubits long by cubic, and then a hand breadth. And so he measured the breadth of the building, one reed, and the height, one reed. Then came he unto the gates, which looked toward the east. And he went up to the stairs thereof, and measured the, the threshold of the gate, which, there, which was one reed broad, and the other three, three, three folds of the gate, which was one reed broad. And every little chamber was one reed long, and one reed broad. And between the little chambers were five cubits, and the threshold of the gate of the porch of the gate were within was one reed. Turn over to chapter 41. Verse number 1. After he brought me to the temple and the measurement of the post, the six cubits broad on the one side, and six cubits broad on the other side, which was the breadth of the tabernacle. And the breadth of the door was ten cubits, and the sides of the door were five cubits on each side, five cubits on the other side, and he measured the length thereof, forty cubits, and breadth twenty cubits. Then when he inward and measured the post of the door, two cubits, and the door six cubits, and the breadth of the door and seven cubits. Look at chapter 42. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then he brought me forth under the other court, other court and waved towards the north and brought me into the chambers that was over against the separate place, in which was, behold, the building toward the north, before the length and a hundred cubits, and was a north door, and the breadth was fifty cubits. Over against the twenty cubits, but which were for the inner court, and over against the pavement, which was the other courts, was galleries against galleries in three stories. You saying... What in the world are you reading? Got to be some of the most boring reading there is before a message. I know you Bible readers, I know exactly what you do. When you get to the latter part of Ezekiel and he starts this measuring, y'all just zip right through it, get by it, and go right on through it. And I believe that's what it, it, we do. I know we read our Bibles, but we've gotten to the place where we've gotten complacency. We read over it too fast, and we miss something. And at this point in the Bible, it's not very exciting. You're not seeing the fire. 
You're not hearing those things like, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Nor will you find uh, all these things, all things work together for good of the love of the Lord and them that are called according to His uh, uh, purpose. No, Ezekiel keeps on walking along with this fellow, measuring, writing down everything he sees and measures. The porches, the walls, the, uh, he measured the chambers, the gates, the doors. He even measures the port, post that holds up the door. And here Ezekiel is writing them down. It's almost seemingly it's a routine portion of all the things in the Bible. And it's so routine that it's mundane and practically boring. He does this from chapter 40, 41, 42. All he's doing is measuring. But right in the middle of all that routine, mundane, working and doing what God has told him, right in the middle of Ezekiel just being faithful because he's doing what God said to do, look at chapter 43. Afterward he brought me to the gate, even to the gate that looked toward the east. And behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. And his voice was like the noise of many waters, and the earth shined upon his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river of Kabar, and I fell upon my face." And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I hear him speaking unto me of the house and saying, Man stood by me. And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of thy throne and the place of thy soles of thy feet where I have dwelled in the midst of the children of Israel forever and my holy name shall be the house of Israel. No more defile neither their, their kings nor by uh, whoredom nor by the carcass of the kings in the high places. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. We just ask you to touch us, help us, strengthen us. Lift us up and encourage us that we may be a blessing to others. And Lord, may your word be a blessing to us, Father. We'll praise you for what you do. In yourself and fill with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All that mundane, all that routine uh, of working, Ezekiel doing what God has told him. And you say, what's going on here? Ezekiel is doing the most routine, faithful duties of God. God has called him to do it. He watches this guy measures and he writes it down. It seems like a lot, to, but right in the middle of all this going on, right in the middle of all this routine, this, uh, right in the middle of this boring duty, God shows up. God shows up and God shows out. I, I see this as a lot like a Christian life. Christians like it like this. They're, they're, they're ordinary and routine things, uh, you say you walk in, to, walk in and, uh, and God uh, do something because God has told you to do it. Uh, you, you read the Bible because God has told you to do it. Uh, and you attend church because Bible to, God told you to do it. It's not always the glamour things that it seems like is going on in your life. It's not always the exciting and you don't feel something. 
But you do it because God told you to do it. You do it to know that you, that's what you're supposed to do. And I, I found this out after walking with the Lord in my life. If I just do what God has told me to do, and be faithful in what God has told me to do, and wherever He's told me to do it at, somewhere down the road, God's going to show up. How many times you've walked into church on a Sunday night or Wednesday night uh, and you thought, I'm just going because I'm supposed to go. God has commanded me to go. Uh, I'm supposed to do that. The Bible says, not forsaken assembling thyselves together. And I know that we ought to do that. But you really wasn't expecting God to do something. You really wasn't expecting God to move in your life. You weren't expecting God to show up. It was just a routine church service, but out of nowhere, all of a sudden, somebody get to testifying, somebody raise a hand, a a song that was sung, the message getting preached, and God shows up and shows out in your life. Right in the middle of that routine. Right in the middle of that, that, through the motions of going through what God has told you to do. God shows up and the glory of God fills your soul. How many times you ever sat down to read your Bible? You say, God has told me to read the Bible. And you did it because the preacher said to read the Bible. You ought to read the Bible. The Bible says, search the scriptures. And you read it sometimes when you don't feel like reading. You'd rather be doing something else. You'd rather uh, turn on that Netflix or the ESPN and watch something. Uh, But you said, I've got to read the Bible. You you keep your nose to that grindstone. You, You keep reading the Bible. And day in, day out, you're reading the Bible and nothing is happening. But you still keep doing it. You're not getting a whole lot out of it. There's no feeling in it. But you keep coming back to the Word. And right in the middle of that routine Bible reading, right in the middle of all that mundane, all of that, right in the middle of all that, I, I, I'm just going to do it because I'm told to. Out of nowhere, the glory of God shows up. And all of a sudden, it jumps off your pages. And that's when he gives you one of those golden nuggets for your life. And you say, oh, thank you, Lord. How many times you've been on your knees to pray? I I, have to be honest. I'm going to be real with you. There's been times I've prayed 15, 20, 30 minutes. And it feels like all I'm doing is talking to myself. I'm I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm not getting, I'm not, I'm not feeling them. And, and, and let me just say this. Anybody, anybody tries to tell you that every time they pray, they reach into the heavens, the glory of heaven, and pull the prayer bells down and rung it here on earth, they're lying. I, I, don't, I don't always get into the throne room of God. But let me tell you what, uh, but I keep praying and I keep going at it. I'm on my knees and, and all of a sudden that wind comes down and hits you while you're praying and the glory of God fills you and you reach in and you grab that glory bell and you're ringing that prayer bell. Why? Because you stuck to it. God will show up and start moving in your life. Helping you, moving in your life. 
How many times you've handed tracts out and witnessed to people and invited them to church? And it just seems like they just keep pushing you away and pushing you away. But you, you keep going back. You keep going back and say inviting them. You keep going back. And then one day you're talking to somebody and they come along and they stop and they get interested in what you're saying. And all of a sudden God starts moving in their life. And then they're sitting in church. Because we're doing what we're supposed to do. It's that routine mundane, boring duties of a Christian life. I'm going to preach on this thought tonight. The life that gets to see the glory of God. The life that gets to see the glory of God. You know, Paul said we're to live and we are to try to conform our lives where we walk in the glory of God. Second Corinthians said, uh, but we all walk uh, we all behold an open face holding the glass of the glory of God and we're looking at it. And, and as long as you're looking at it, as long as you're looking at that glass, it starts to change you. It'll change everything about it. The more you look at it, the more it changes you. You say, what are you saying? God, God starts changing you into His glory because you're doing His thing. Just like Moses when he went on the mountain met with God. He didn't look the same when he came back. It changed him. The glory of God will change you. It, it, it'll get in your mind. It'll get into your soul. It, it, it starts changing your walk with God and how you see things. You know why a lot of Christians never live in the glory of God and never see the glory of God? Because not willing to do what Ezekiel did. Not willing to do the mundane, the boring, the routine. They're not willing to go through the average of the normal. I, I thank God for this church. I really do. I really do. The Bible said, A man that wandereth out of the, of the way of the understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And I praise God that we don't got a dead church. I don't want to be in a dead church. I thank God for a living church. But we have seen people come in and they get all excited. Sing and move them. The message moved them. And, they, and that's what they needed. They said, I needed to hear that. I needed it in my life. And it moved them. Then they come back another Sunday. The singers sing off key. The preacher preached a dud like all the other preachers preached a dud. And it, and it no longer moves them. They're not feeling something. They say, well, they're gone. I'm out of here. They move out. What they find out in everyday church, not everybody in church is wearing a halo. halo. Some of them are wearing horns. What they find out, the preacher is not as good as they thought he was on that one message, and he preached a dud. The singers sing off key, but it doesn't stop them. Just like every other thing that goes on in church life, they find out they're just going through the motions. Because we're supposed to do it. 
or commanded to do it. Not a lot of Christians not willing to live, live that normal Christian routine life. That if they don't feel something, they move on. They ain't getting something every time. They move on. So they don't hang out long. But the Christian life that is profitable, the Christian life that is longevity, the Christian life that stays in there year after year after year, the Christian life that says, I, I'm not going to live my life on feelings. Uh, thank God when I, the feelings come, I love them when they come. I get excited about it. But I realize they don't always come. But it's good when they do come. Early in the morning when I feel like the routine of getting up and reading the Bible and studying the Bible, it's good when everybody has walked off from me. It's still good when I don't feel good. It's still good when the singers are singing. It's still good when the preacher's preaching. I still feel good. When everybody's walked off from me, the Word is still with me. Just stay consistent. Wait to see God's glory. What kind of life to sees the glory of God? I, I believe in this Ezekiel example, I believe we can see some things that how he got to see the glory of God that we can see the glory of God. First off, life that, uh, that pays attention to detail. The details. If you go back to chapter 40, you'll find that 11 times and he uses this, he brings up these little things. God continues to call Ezekiel's attention in chapter 40 and not to these big things, not to the big things. But Ezekiel, I want you to pay a special attention to these little details. Well, God, it's not that big of a room. He just told me a while ago, so why can't I just skip that? It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. But listen to this. It doesn't have to be important, be a big deal to be important to God. There's problems with a Christian life is they're only interested in the big things. In the Christian walk. In the Christian life. They, they, that's what makes them a successful Christian. Not just trying to stay and keep them from getting drunk. Or stealing or committing adultery. But it's paying attention to those small details in your Christian life. Bible said it's the little foxes that spoils the vine. I find that more often than not, that ruins a lot of Christians' lives. They'll, they'll never see the glory of God. They'll never have a close walk with God. If they do not pay attention to all those small details in your Christian life, amen, got to pay attention to them. The attention to the life. You read Paul's writings. You go to Paul's writings, start reading Paul. He gives a lot of details. He, he tells you what kind of music you're to listen to. 
He tells you what kind of dress you ought to wear. He tells you what you're supposed to be doing with your money. Paul gets into those little details. He tells you where you should be on the first day of the week. He even tells you what kind of people you should hang out with. And he even tells you what kind of people you hang out with you in the church. He gives you the little details in a Christian life. But it seems like we're living in a day nobody cares about the details. I'm military oriented. I have to pay attention to details. I have to do that. The Christian life that sees the glory of God is one that focuses on the details of the Christian walk. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be that big of a deal. It doesn't have to be a big deal to be a big deal to God. Look at the little things that he, he, he talks about. Look at it with the little things he's talking about. God puts his emphasis on the little details in life. And look in Luke chapter 19, verse 17, uh, he puts an emphasis on faithfulness. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have I authority over ten cities. I'll give you the authority over ten cities. Just a little faithfulness goes a long way. God said it doesn't matter if you showed up for the church service. No. Just a little faithfulness. That's what he said. He doesn't have to have something big, just a little faithfulness. Those that go to the nursing home and, and Saturdays and then you, you be there one Saturday, be 10, 15, and you go back another Saturday, two or three, but yet they keep going back, keep going back. It, it's that little faithfulness. It's these Sunday school teachers. They have a bunch of little kids. You say, it's just little kids. What does it matter? Just a little faithfulness goes a long ways with God. It's no big deal. It's just little kids. With God, it's no it's a big deal. Everybody wants to be the big shot. Everybody wants their name in lights. Everybody wants that big ministry. Everybody wants the eyes on them. The Bible says you just had a little faithfulness. A little faithfulness. A little, faith, a, 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 a little faithfulness will go a long ways with God. But can I say also a little filthiness can break your life. First Corinthians said, your glory is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf. Can, can I say this? A little sin unattended in your life. Brings big consequences into your life. We're, we're all so concerned about those big sins. The ones that everybody can see. The ones that everybody notices. 
We're concerned about those sins. But let me say, it's those little unattended sins that nobody knows, uh, nobody sees, uh, that brings it. Can I tell you this? No big sin ever started out being a big sin. It started out small. In fact, it started out as a thought. Look. It's a little filthiness will wreck your whole life. Like I said, the little foxes in your life that spoils the things. Those little words that you say, those little thoughts that you think. But they're not hurting nobody. Nobody sees them. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. God does. And what those things are doing, they're hindering your walk with God and your growth with God. You got any little bitty sins, uh, and it might not be those great big sins we think about. You got some little sin in your life, you need to cut it out. Get it out. It's a big deal. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You let a little sin get in the church. You let it go by. You sweep it under the carpet. It will ruin the church. It will tear the church down. How do you know? Because I've seen it. I've seen it. You, you got to get the sin out. And I understand sinners come into church. I understand that. But in order to participate and take part in things around here, you must be washed by the blood. You got to be snowy clean. I'm not saying I'm always perfect, but let me tell you what. When I get up here, I've done prayed, Lord, if there's anything in my life, if I've done anything, if i said anything, I need you to get it out of my life right now. I cannot step in that pulpit. I cannot even bear to look at that pulpit if you don't go before me get that little sin out of your life you start paying attention to those details not only in your life but in your church and your family can I say a, a little flapping of the tongue a little division a little discord a little backbiting. It, it, it doesn't have to be something big. You can always tell when somebody really don't want to be big, they just stand up and turn it. Not always say, hey, I, I don't like her and I don't like him. And it's like that. Most of the time it is, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You don't take much. A little flapping of that lip will get you in a lot of trouble. James said, even so the tongue is a little member and boasted great things. Behold, how great of a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a word of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That it defileth the whole body and set on the fire of the course of nature and, and it sets fire of hell for every kind of beast and every bird and every serpent and everything in the sea is tamed but hath been tamed in mankind but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly. 
evil. Full of deadly poison. I tell you what, you want to know something, just kick your mind in gear and let your mouth get into overdrive. You'll find out what people think. Let your mind slip out of gear and your mouth going and you might wake up three days later and say, what in the world did I say? What did I do? You, you got to keep this tongue under control. You, you got to be careful. And I, I'm not talking about gossiping or backbiting. I'm, I, and I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of this. I, 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 I've got... I, I've gotten dealt with this, and I've dealt with it, and I don't know why I let it get back in, but times we, we like to pick on each other. We do. We, we, we like to pick on each other. But sometimes we can take it too far. Sometimes we can take it too far. So, so now I'm just going to look at you real funny. I'm not going to say a word to you. I'm just going to look at you. Real funny. <laughs> See, that's what happens. Feelings do get hurt because you might say it in, in jest. You might be saying it in fun. You might be saying, hey, and we've been doing this for a while, but sometimes you can get carried away with the little things and it turns into a big thing. Yeah. Need to be careful. Need to be careful. It, it paying attention to those little details in your Christian walk will go a long ways. It will help you go a long ways. Paying attention to the little details, but also being attentive to, to, to directions. Verse 40, and verse 40, chapter 40, and verse 4. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I showed thee. He said you need to sit, you need to hear it, and you need to put it in your heart. And for eight chapters, Ezekiel is looking at this man, and he's writing down. He's measuring, and Ezekiel's writing down. He's looking up, and he's writing down. He look up, he write it down. As all Ezekiel's doing is writing down and looking at this man, and keeps writing down. He's not listening to anything else, just giving to the directions. You say, well, this ain't important. It's not important. I, I think I'll just leave this part out. I'm not going to write that. You're saying the same thing over to 8 cubit, 8 cubit, 20 cubit, 20. You're saying the same things over. I, I can leave that part out. No, God wants it all written down. Because it's important. And what's a lot of Christians do when they hear the Bible preaching, <laughs> they will say, well, I'm not doing that. I, I'm not going to listen to that. I'll just sit here and I'm not going to move at all. But every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, we'll live by. Some, some, people, some Christians treat God's word like a buffet. They can pick and choose what they want and what they don't want. They're out of tune with this kind of message. They don't like the small, the intent, they being in tune and in directions. 
most Christians want the glory preaching where the glory of God falls down and everybody's shouting, everybody's running around, they're flipping over the pews and everything. That's what some future Christians want. They want that kind. They don't want the kind of preaching that gets to your heart and tell you, this is how you're supposed to live. They want that. We see Attentive to directions, paying attention to the details. But what what made Ezekiel do all this? What what made him for all these chapters to just sit there and listen and write and listen? Because the affection he had for his duties. To get the word a place, he loves the attention to details. He gets to the place where he loves the attentive to directions. He gets to the place where he has an affection to the duties that he's doing. Why? Because he realized who he's doing it for. Up to this point, you read chapter after chapter, and it says, this man, this man, because this man said so. I don't know who this man is. I, I believe it's an angel from God. But in chapter 43, God shows up and then includes in God, he includes God then in 43 verse 18, he says, and he said unto me of the man, thus said the Lord God. Over and over from time out to dead, it's no longer this man. It's no longer that man. It's God has said to do this. God told me to do that. Ezekiel realized all that it, what he was doing, all this mountain duty, all this uh, routine and boring duty, he was doing it because God told him to and God showed up. When God showed up in his routine, he realized he's not doing it for the priest. He's not doing it for the people. I'm not even doing it for myself, but I'm doing it for him. God is watching and God is pleased. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to get a pat on my back. I'm doing what I'm doing because God has told me to do what I do. And I want to make sure I please him. It may not please you. But if it pleases him, I'm happy. I, I love you, but I've got to please him first. He comes first. The reason why I preach is because I love Jesus and what he's done for me, where he's brought me from, and because he asked me to. That gives me joy unspeakable and full of glory. Whether the place is full or whether it's two or three, preach on, preacher. Don't hold back. Just keep on doing the things that God has told you to do. Just keep on. I, that's why I have problems with preachers when they say, hey, you got these many members, you've paid this much, you got a parsonage, do you give this, give that, and everything, because all they're looking for is a big paycheck. I have problems with that. Let me tell you what, just preach on, preach. I've preached to small crowds, I've picked big crowds, and I've preached to two people. I haven't went to church one time, preached to myself because I needed it. I, I, I'm telling you, we, we, we want the big things in life, but you've got to pay attention to the small things. 
We don't do what we do to be seen of men. If, if you come to church, if you do ministry, if all you're doing is come to be seen of men, it won't be long. You're going to be quitting. It won't be long. If I come to hear the preach just to be seen by you, I might as well give it up. Because I don't need to pat on the back from you. I don't, go, I don't need a, here you go, brother, because he pats me on the back. He hugs my neck. Good job, boy. Good job. Amen. The little things, 1 Corinthians 3 and 13, whether you be, therefore ye eat little things or drink little things or whatsoever you do, little things or big things, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. Paul said it doesn't matter if I am measuring the big chambers or the little chambers. It doesn't matter. If it's mundane, if it's ordinary, if it's boring, I'm going to do it because he said to do it and I'm going to find joy in it because it pleases him to me to be faithful. Let me just say this. Sometimes it's hard to be faithful. Sometimes it's hard to be faithful. Sometimes we, we, we want that pat on the back. We want that accolades. We want uh, everybody to be recognized. We want to be recognized. But sometimes the things you do, nobody ever sees but God. Amen. Amen. 